Okay, recording. You have a story to tell, and maybe you've thought, I should start a podcast. Meet Anchor. It's a powerful app that lets you record a podcast anywhere and get it heard everywhere. All you need to do is download the free Anchor app and hit record. Just go to anchor.fm slash get started. Make a podcast with Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash get started. Great. I think we got it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Welcome to Juice Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined by Adam Sporland of Sports Radio 610. Adam, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So we're doing our post, post-mortem of Houston's trade deadline today. This podcast may end up being pretty short because the Rockets only ended up making one move. I'll go ahead and read, read out that trade right now. Houston traded Victor Oladipo to the Heat for the expiring contracts of Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley along with the right to swap first-round picks with Miami in 2022. And I should mention, this includes the Brooklyn pick that they'll get next year. Let's grade this deal in a vacuum first, because I know we're both going to be tempted to talk about it in the larger context of the James Harden trade. But just for a minute, let's, let's look at this deal by itself before we expand it out. So I would call this return underwhelming, but not surprising. It, it really seemed like there was... There were some Rockets fans ready to jump off a cliff once they saw this return. How you see this trade really depends on what you thought of Oladipo's market value before the trade deadline. Uh, For weeks, I kind of speculated that if Houston was going to trade Oladipo, they were not willing to take on future money unless it was like a younger prospect type. And I think if they didn't get what they wanted, they're willing to let his contract expire. And if you listen to the podcast, you've heard me say that a few times now. Um, so before the trade deadline, my best guess is that Houston received the rough equivalent of a late first round pick, whether that was in the form of a player or a draft pick itself. This is obviously less than that. Uh, they technically didn't add any asset. What they did was give themselves slightly more upside on the Brooklyn pick they get next year. If I were to guess, the reason they did this was because they were offered a second rounder for Lodipo and they chose this instead. Similar to the P.J. Tucker trade last week where they chose to improve assets rather than get, gain second rounders. Uh, what's your take on this trade? Uh, this was basically a giveaway. This was giving um, Miami Victor Oladipo. Oladipo gets to go to the team that he wants to go to and that team now has his bird rights. So it's a little easier for him to go there and get the contract that he wants. Uh, this this really seemed like a bit of a favor to Oladipo. And it also looks like the Rockets completely misread the market on what they thought that they'd be able to get for him. 
uh, when they got him in the James Harden trade. And I think they also probably misevaluated just how good he was before they made the Harden trade. So uh, I, I think for them, it's a little bit of an organizational failure. The fact that um, they make the James Harden trade and he, he wasn't the main piece by any stretch, but he getting him allowed you to sell the Oladipo. It allowed you to sell the Harden trade as in we got all these picks Plus, we get a guy who just a few years ago was an all-NBA player. We think he's healthy. We think he's going to be really good for us. And they basically gave him away for a chance to move up maybe a handful of spots in the draft. So I think it's it's underwhelming. And I think for them that it has to be a very disappointing conclusion to the Harden trade. Okay, so you went, you went ahead and talked about the Harden trade. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, they they basic Miami basically stole Oladipo. And... I I think a lot of people expected his market value to be higher. And even Woj was reporting as far back as a couple of days ago that he expected what's up. It was on Wednesday. He said that they were going to get a a mid tier first round pick. Yeah. And and they, that was clearly overestimating what what the market was. And I think that definitely uh, didn't help expectations for the return. Um, And I think, I think this was pretty much like let's last minute let's get what we can get and I think it's possible if the Lowry trade didn't fall apart the way it did I think it's it's possible they end Thursday without a deal for Oladipo. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I, I think they were also hurt by the fact that Orlando sold off everyone because you look at Orlando trading Aaron Gordon to Denver and trading Evan Fournier to Boston. Evan and, Fournier is the big one. I yeah, think. And, and those were two. Th- those were two teams where it made sense for Oladipo. Whether it was Denver to get back essentially the same package that the Magic got back for Gordon, or to Boston for uh, to let them absorb the pick swap, and then maybe you get one of those young Boston guys. And the fact that that was taken off the table pretty early in the day yesterday, that that really hampered the market. And so basically the only team out there was Miami. And I don't think Miami was really ever a real player for Lowry just because, as you can tell, I don't think they wanted to give up any of their young pieces. And the fact that the Rockets couldn't pry any away in this deal kind of um, confirms that. Um, so yeah, they, the, you wonder, uh, the questions that I have, when did they decide that they were going to move on from Oladipo? And at what point was was there a point where they had better offers and they decided to try and improve their hand a little bit? And um, obviously that didn't work out. Yeah. And and what's interesting is now they have even more of an onus to root for Miami to fail for the next couple of years. I mean, they were already rooting for them to fail because of the, the, the pick swap situation this season. And now next season, they have another pick swap situation with Miami where they're really rooting for them to, you know, at least be an eight seed. I mean, it's lottery protected, so they can't necessarily root for them to miss the playoffs. But they, if in Houston's ideal scenario, there's a significant uh, increase in that in that Brooklyn pick to that Miami pick to make this asset worth anything. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, it 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 was not much of a return. Like they, like if they traded him to Boston, you'd expect them to get like Neesmith, or if they traded him to like Dallas, I think they could have like got Josh Green or something, and they just got nothing. They got pretty much. Um, just an improvement, and I'm guessing it's because they didn't want, you know, to take the look of taking back a second rounder. I, I really do think they were getting offered like a second rounder, and they just chose this instead. Um, so let's talk. Uh, I'm going to talk about it in, in the larger context of the James Harden trade. You talk. You touched on it. I never quite understood why they chose Oladipo over Levert, and my best guess ended up being they saw more upside with Oladipo, which, as you said, they clearly uh, miscalculated there. 
And they preferred his contract because if it didn't work out, they could just clean up their books a little bit. And I think they were put off by the idea of taking on Levert's $36 million over two years. So they chose this instead. Now, to be clear, that's what I think they were thinking. Do I agree with the move? No. Like, I probably would have taken Levert instead. And if I really wanted to clean my books, I think I I probably could have flipped them down the road for expirings and better assets. So I just think that part of the James Harden trade was a bust. Now... Do I believe the entire this this makes the entire James Harden trade a bust? No, I think I think it's you know if you were gonna if Houston was gonna do a deal with Brooklyn, it was always gonna be about the picks. I always said this uh, talking on this podcast talking about like you know there there are a lot of Rockets fans just put off by the idea of taking back Levert and Jared Allen for James Harden, and I just never thought that was if they were gonna deal with Brooklyn, that was going to be what it was centered around. It was gonna be around around the picks. You know, the players coming back were always going to be around 10 to 15 percent of the deal. Now, that 10 to 15 percent, let me be clear, failed, right? Like they, they could have gotten something back for Levert. Now, whether or not this James Harden trade ends up being, you know, good, it's, it's really the mystery box, right? Like it really depends on what these Brooklyn picks end up, you know, becoming or what they end up trading these Brooklyn picks for if they do decide to trade them. Um, so I, th- I think that part is still up in the air. I I have no problem with the Allen part, what they did with Allen, just because if Wood is healthy, Allen's not going to play for them. Al, Allen would not have. Pl- Allen's probably looking at playing ten to fifteen minutes a game if Wood is healthy. I don't, I don't think that maybe Silas tries to play them together, but I don't think that that would have done anything to increase his value. So I, I think that they looked at the Allen portion and they said, you know what, uh, we don't think that we could get more than a first round pick for him. Um, if we if we are to hold on to him for the deadline and they I don't think that they had any interest in trying to bring him back and restrict a free agency. So I, I was I'm I'm totally fine with the logic of flipping Allen for the first round pick. It's uh, the Levert part that's really the most uh No yeah. Yeah. The the Levert part and like you said, I get the logic of it. Um I understand the logic of it. I don't think the logic of it is technically wrong. However, they want to clear the books Yet they have the wall contract sitting over there. They have the Gordon contract sitting over there, so they can't clear the books, even if they, even by doing it this way. So they could have taken Levert, and Levert's the end of Levert's contract coincides with the end of Gordon's contract, and it coincides with the end of Wall's contract. So to me, looking back on it now, they made a mistake with Levert, and they should have just kept Levert, and yeah. they they shouldn't have included the Oladipo part of it. But I do think that, and I don't think we'll ever know the answer to this, but I think that they probably misevaluated both the market on Oladipo, what it could have been, and I think they also misevaluated just how healthy he was. And that's that's the tough part that they have to deal with because now they they trade one of the five best players in the league in the middle of his prime, and the only way that they're really going to get something good in return for him is if the team that he went to completely collapses between now and 2027, which could happen, but that's, they basically traded James Harden for eight lottery tickets for eight scratch cards. And the 2021 is already a failure because Brooklyn is obviously very good. And the odds that they're going to get anything of significance with 2022 is highly unlikely. And so you're basically on a women of prayer with, with this deal. And that's not, you can't, you can't do that when you're trading James Harden. That was an opportunity for them to 
hit the reset button and really get their rebuild started the right way. And I think that they have to be concerned that they failed on that. So th- this trade does obviously tip their hand as to, as the front office is thinking, right? Like they chose expirings anyways, right? I think I think it's possible they could have gotten a better asset if they were willing to take on future money. But I, I think they were, you know, headstrong and not taking on future money, so they chose this deal. So th- they clearly want to clear the books a little bit, and I think that tips their hand on future moves as far as what they do with Eric Gordon. I think that's the next significant player to move at this point, and. You know, I, 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 my best guess is they're going to seriously explore the market for him in the off season and next year's trade deadline. Like I, I, I would, it would really surprise me if by this time next year, Eric Gordon is still on the roster. And I think, you know, as far as returns for him, I think it's very clear that Houston wants, is unwilling to take on future money. Can I, I have a question though? Sure. They want to clear the books. Okay. I, I understand that, but what are they clearing the books for? Look at look at the free agent class that's out there this summer. Who are you clearing the books for? Are you going to make a run and try and and overpay a restricted free agent? Who's are you? I know that they like Norman Powell a little bit, but are they clearing the books for Norman Powell? Does that change the direction of the organization? In the PJ Tucker trade, they didn't get much for PJ Tucker. But they did take on a $7 million salary for next season. So, you know, on one hand, they don't want to take back salary for Oladipo. On the other hand, they took back salary for P.J. Tucker, and they really got nothing in return. They might move up five spots in the draft for P.J. Tucker, and in doing so, they take on $7 million for next year. So I don't really understand the thinking of taking back money for Tucker to move up five spots in the draft maybe, and then not taking back money for Oladipo but then in turn, maybe moving up five spots at the most. So the strategy is a little off to me. And the fact that, okay, they might want to trade Eric Gordon. They're not getting anything for Eric Gordon. I disagree there. I, I think I think Eric Gordon has market value. If he comes back healthy, and let's see, it's been two weeks since the Sacramento game. So he's probably got another month to come back. If he comes back healthy and gives them a solid month of May or he plays well at the end of April – then maybe, but I'm not. I don't think that there's going to be a team this summer that is excited to get into the Eric Gordon business when you consider that he hasn't been able to stay on the floor the last two years, and he'll be 32, 30. He'll be 33 years old uh, once we get to Christmas next year. So uh, the fact that there's two years left on that deal, I, I don't think it's very logical to assume that there are going to be a bunch of takers for him. There might be, uh, but e- even if there are, that doesn't that. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can see what's happening around your home right from your couch. Just pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're outside? Say, show me my backyard camera. And to see who's at the door, just say, show me my front porch camera. To learn more, visit cox.com slash this is home. What is, what is that going to get them? And you still have Wall's contract sitting over there, and that's a big issue. So I get clearing the I, I get clearing the books, and I get the logic of it, but it's hard to do when you have albatross contracts sitting on their payroll right now, and Wall's is the big one. And I, I think for them, their hope is that Wall is healthy, and it doesn't appear that he is, and there's a report that he needs his knee scoped, and that's going to hurt their chances to try and, and move off of him. So they're they're in a really tough spot, and. Um, 
if they if they miss out on the lottery and they 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 miss out on that top four pick, next year is going to be really really ugly for them. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and listen, I, I can't answer that question as far as far as what are they going to do with the space or what, what are they going to do with this with um, you know, like what benefit do they really get from clearing the books? I, I just I this is what I logically this is kind of what I think they're doing. And um, as far as like what they get for Eric Gordon, I really do think uh, I, th- I think there's I think there really is going to be a bidding war by next year's trade deadline. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a bold prediction. Maybe maybe I'm too far out there on that. I think he's a good enough player to where you can get back at least a late first round pick. And um, I might bet my best guess is they, as far as contracts taken back, uh, you know, just judging by this move, I think they want expirings back. Well, they, they, they clearly, that's clearly the direction that they want to go. Um, but they, they're, they're trying to, to get off contracts at the same time. They've got, wall at 40 something million sitting over there. So I, I don't quite understand the point of clearing out contracts at this point when you still have two years left of wall. So, yeah. So in all honesty, I think they would have been better off just taking, you know, don't take on salary for the next three years, but take on a contract for that has two years left on it and see if you can take back an asset in doing right. so and try and, and try and take advantage of another team's problems. I mean, they're not going anywhere this year. They're probably not going anywhere next year. So you might as well take advantage of not of not being good and having a little bit of flexibility. And I think that what they did uh, this week and what they've done really since the Harden trade is a bit of a miss. They, you know, they they were opportunistic in picking up um, Kevin Porter Jr., but I don't think that's a game changer for them. I don't think that's a that changes the course of the franchise. Right. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, do the Brooklyn, right? Like, Brooklyn was in a similar situation where they had to tear down everything to the studs. And they had they, they were even worse off than Houston because they had no draft picks, right? Like, like Houston's not in the, the best of situations because, obviously, the Westbrook trade kind of handicapped the, the way they're rebuilding. But uh, they're at least better off than where Brooklyn was when Sean, Sean Marks took over. And Sean Marks did the thing where he cleared up space, took back bad contracts, and took on bad assets, as you're saying, along with that. Um, and you know, they were unwilling to do that at this trade deadline. And, you know, um, my question is like, I guess, what are they, what, what's the, what's their plan this summer? Like, you know, what, what are they, like, if, if, if things miss for them at the lottery, right. Which there is a pretty strong possibility that they will right, 48% as of right now. And Orlando just made things a little bit difficult for them because they are plummeting to the bottom and to the top of the lottery standings, right? Uh, I, I, I can't see them winning any basketball games uh, with that roster uh, as it's currently constructed. So things may get pretty difficult for them. They may they may even drop from what, the 52% to keep their pick to like 47%. And even further, if they keep if they manage to win some games here, like they get to like 42%. Um, 
my question is if those things miss, so what are you going to do this summer? Like you cleared up like what $5 billion in space, right? After you draft all these players, you're going to have to pay, you're going to have to pay them money. So what, what's that space going to be used for? I think the other question that comes with that is, well, how does the, how does the strategy change if they miss in the lottery and if they hit in the lottery? Because if, if they hit on the lottery, then I think that you can go into next season thinking we have a chance to maybe not be in the top eight, but we have a chance to with Wood and whoever the draft pick is, and maybe we put some of the resources to use to improve the roster, then maybe we can get into the playoff or into the into the playing tournament. But if you miss out on the lottery, then all of a sudden it almost feels like you're tearing it down even further. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, like, I don't think they intended to tear it down this season, right? No. Like, I th- like, like, I think part of the reason, as we said, that they chose Oladipo is because that they planned to remain competitive, whether that was with Levert or with Oladipo. They, ha- they happened to choose Oladipo, which, which, as we both said, was a miss. But they clearly had incentive to win this season before this losing streak, right? Before the 20-game losing streak, I think they really wanted to, to, to lose games to minimize the gut punch of falling in the lottery because of this pick swap that they owe. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's not fun. I mean, losing every night is not fun. And, and you've seen it just on Steven Silas's face, game after game after game. This, this is not enjoyable. And the fact that they, that they don't have full control over their pick this year, I think that they were hoping to, to make one last run with Harden, and obviously that didn't work. And I think that the way that they, they made the trade, they felt like that they could still compete this year. And for a few weeks, it looked like they were right. And then it obviously just all fell apart. And now they are in serious limbo. And this is this is a really tough situation to be in for a first-year GM and a first-year head coach and an ownership group that has never been through this before. So um, this is a very uncomfortable spot that they're in right now. By the way, I, I, poor Steven Silas has now become the Twitter version of Dwight Howard and Josh Smith used to become AAU teammates. Like, I swear, like, I see that almost every day now. And, like, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, the sympathy for Steven Silas is there. It's really tough to coach, uh, especially this season with the, with the drama they faced at the beginning of it. But now he's just like a big, he's just a coach that's losing a bunch of games. And like, I don't see sympathy like this for like the Pacers or like, you know, uh, the Nick nurse, like it, it, it's, it's insane. Like how, like how much that's become like a meme. Well, he, he's well liked and he waited a long time to get his shot and he took over he thought that he was coaching a team with James Harden and Russell Westbrook and a team that had been in the second round of the playoffs the last four years and almost won a title three years ago. He thought that's what he was getting. And now he's gotten what appears to be a complete mess. And um, I, I, I think that he would say, yes, he would. But I do wonder if he would take this job knowing what he knows now with how this has turned out, because um, this has obviously been really, really tough, and they've had to change up on the fly. And I, I'll be honest with you, I do feel for him. This is this this looks like he just looks miserable. To be honest with you, and there's no other way to put it. And he is coaching a team that has Christian Wood, who appears that he could be a centerpiece, and then uh, Jay Sean Tate looks like a nice player, and then everyone else is just kind of pulling in their own direction at this point. My best guess is right now, like Houston, even if Houston gets a like a lottery pick this year, right? Like if they get a top five pick this year, unless Cade Cunningham is like much better than than what I expect, right? Like what I've been reading about, like 
they're still going to be pretty deep into the tank next year. Like I, I, I don't see any other, like I, I don't see them winning a lot of games next season with with this roster and, and a top top pick. Like unless that neck, unless Kate, Kate Cunningham is like really truly transformational, like once in a generational, like because those players just typically take a long time to develop and like help you win basketball games. Typically, it takes a year or two before you get to that point at the at best and. I think what you're looking at here with the Rockets is a Houston's version of the process. Nah, uh, because not it's not that bad. If, really? I mean, assuming, I don't see much talent here, man. Assuming they keep the pick. Now, if, if they keep the pick, they're in a much better place than Philly was because Philly had nothing. I mean, Philly, no, I mean they had Drew Holiday. And, but they traded him right away. Yes, but but they had they had but but they could have avoided the process and done some, something similar to what you were talking about, and they they chose to tear it down to the studs. I think right now Houston might have no other choice but to tear it down to the studs because you you don't, might not have any other opportunity to do so because the, the thing the, is, what, okay, hold on, let me finish real quick because OKC owns your your future draft picks. You only have this two to three year window to get your picks. So I, if if I were Houston, like I would seriously consider some version of that. Well, Wood's future is kind of the outlier in this whole thing because Wood appears to be very, very good, and I I don't know if he is a franchise player per se, but I, I don't think it's crazy to say that he is someone who can make All Star teams, and that was one thing that the Sixers didn't really have. And then uh, the Sixers also kind of screwed up in the draft a couple of times and they got a little bit unlucky with, and remember the whole process thing started a year late. So they take over and then it's after the first year, they start to tear it down. You know what I mean? So with this year, it's Rafael Stone takes over and they're bad immediately. And now they are starting off with, they hope, a top four pick. And I do think that I'm not a draft guy by any stretch, but people who will tell you the top four in this draft is really, really strong. Uh, you have the two Jalens, you have Evan Mobley, and and then you have Cunningham. Those guys, that that's a stronger top four, I think people would say, in the 2021 draft than we just saw in the 2020 draft. So I do think that you could start this process going in the right direction and going a lot quicker if you can keep the pick and you put a Jalen Suggs or a Cade Cunningham next to Christian Wood. And then you see what you still have in Wall and and you have Gordon still on the roster maybe and you have a little bit of flexibility with the rest of their pick. So I don't think they are quite in philly range but it's not far away sure i mean it, it really does depend on if if this lottery hits or not right and All on the lottery. yeah and, and and who that player ends up becoming right because as you said like there is a strong outlook for this draft it, it, you know some there are strong outlooks for like drafts that sometimes miss right like yeah, like the, the andrew wiggins draft was like a draft or like, okay, like all five of these guys can be transformational players. We're talking Jabari Parker, Andrew Wiggins, Embiid, and like, you know, one of those guys hit, right? Like sometimes we overestimate these things and sometimes you just don't know until you see them. And like, I don't know, like, like I'm not saying that they necessarily have to take the process route, but if, if they don't get a transformational player here soon, like soon, 
Like as in like if they, pretty much if they don't hit in in the lottery in that giant way, I don't see under any other path. Well, they're going to have to make a decision on Wood. And they only signed him to a three-year deal. So you're already getting to the point where you have to start deciding, is this a max guy? And mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that yet. And I, I don't think they know if he's a max guy at this point. Uh, he kind of seems to be heading in that direction. I mean, the returns have been really good. And I think he's been better than what I thought he was going to be. Silas told me that he's been uh, better than what he thought, just with the consistency that he's played with. But he's got to be able to stay on the floor. And if he's out there, we saw it. He He's really good. And he's been really good for them. So um, that's kind of the next step. And I, I don't know when we're going to talk to Rafelstone again. But kind of the one thing that I do want to know is how do they project Christian Wood moving forward? And that's a discussion. I don't know if you have it this summer, but with him, at least with an extension, because you're kind of limited in what you can offer when you've got two years left. But they do have to decide, is this the guy that we want as the, as the centerpiece of our team moving forward? And I think that's a really tough decision that, to make because, as you've seen, when you max out a guy, if you max out the wrong guy, you screw over your franchise. If you have the right guy, like James Harden, I mean, the fact that James Harden was maxed out multiple times and it worked for them because he was worth it. But then you look in, at John Wall and that's the type of max that doesn't work. So they have to be 100% sure that someone like Wood is actually worth the max. And there are in-between guys like that, right? Like there are like like your Vucevic's, right? Like those those kinds of guys are really good basketball players. I'm not sure if I like if if I'm trying to build a team for a championship run, which I don't know if this front office is, is trying to do that yet, right? Like they haven't really outlined their goals yet. We've only had two appearances of Rafael Stone. Um, and he hasn't really said where he wants his, this rebuild to go in. But if, assuming they go with a traditional, excuse me, proper rebuild where they're trying to, the ultimate goal is a championship. If you max out the wrong guy, that, that it kneecaps you like crazy. But but Vucevic wasn't a max guy. And yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm just describing the type of player. Well, I'm yeah. And and so would you would you max out Nikola Vucevic? No, no, of course not. No, but yeah. if Christian Wood comes to you and says, "I want the max," and you say no, well, then you've got to make a decision on that, and and you've got to at least have the uh, the fortitude to get off that contract and move on to somebody else. So it's it's a really tough battle. That's why when you have a star, you have to keep the star. You have to hold on to that star for as long as humanly possible because it becomes very very shaky after that, and you're seeing that with them, and it's. They are in a really tough spot right now. And this is a team where you had a best player and you had that best player for eight years. And now you're just trying to pick up the pieces now that he's gone. Yeah, this is going to be a really long process. I think we've we've talked enough about the trade deadline. Uh, overall, I, w- I would say, you know, like, C plus return for what the for Oladipo, not great. Uh, they they definitely just took what they can get last minute, and if the Lowry thing fell, it didn't fall apart. Who knows if they would have gotten anything? Um, you have any parting words on this? I, I want to ask you this question because sure. I've I've been this kind of hit me yesterday, and so here's my question: When um, so obviously they were going to break up the Harden Paul pairing after the 19 playoffs. Did they trade the wrong guy? Should they have traded Harden 
and gotten the Paul George deal or something along those lines and move forward and try to rebuild that way. I don't think I would have done it. I don't think that they could have done it. And I think that they would have been absolutely slaughtered publicly for doing it. But when you look at what they got back for Harden two years later and what they gave up having to move off of Paul, it almost feels like to me they would have been better served because it seemed pretty obvious that the championship window was closed after the 19 playoffs that they maybe should have just moved on from Harden right then. I I don't think so. I, I, I think they went with the wrong impulse. Which was just trading anybody. Like I again, like I, I was someone who was very adamant that you cannot trade Chris Paul right now because it's unlikely you're going to get a better player than him on the market. And I was, I was someone who, who thought you, the, your best course of action right now is probably to keep the core together and make try to make another run. Hopefully, injuries go your way, and you, maybe you're in a better position next season and if injuries don't go your way you try again next season next summer to improve your roster because at that point there weren't really like after they they missed on jimmy butler right because this, this, this is also the summer that jimmy butler was on the market and they yeah. were very aggressive after him after they missed on jimmy butler there wasn't a star player available there to improve the roster so i would have just you know at that point ran it back and then tried to go after another star the next the following season i don't know if i can't remember off the top of my head if there were other star players available via trade the next following season but that that would have been my plan uh because i just again when you have a player like harden it is just so hard to like again like houston may not get another player like this for another 25 years like like the last player they had as good as him was was Hakeem. Like that, yes, they've had star players in between then, where like Yao and T Mac were great. They weren't Harden great, right? That Harden is um, otherworldly, and I I would have tried. Now Harden might have obviously things have come, details have come out since then. The Tim McMahon article about him basically leveraging the franchise into making a move. Harden may have forced their hand, and they may have you know just had to do it, but. I still may have may have not blinked, and if if Harden demanded a trade after that, I think I might have just listened to him. Yeah, so let's say you had to trade one, like it just you, you had to trade Chris Paul or James Harden, and you had no choice. It was, it was one or the other. They obviously chose to move Chris Paul. Should they have moved James Harden? I, I think that I think that they I think the answer is still probably you had to trade Paul in that scenario. But I think that at the same time, you're seeing they waited too long to trade James Harden, and it hurt them because I, you know, I don't, I don't know what you think, but the package that Oklahoma City got for Paul George is better than what the Rockets got for James Harden. They got, you know, Oklahoma City got a future All Star in Shea Gilgis Alexander. They got, I don't think they got the same number of picks as the Rockets got for for Harden, but. It's right up there, but the fact that they have at least that one building block that they already have in-house, that's better than what the Rockets got for James Harden. And I'd rather trade a player too early than a year too early than a year too late. And it looks like the Rockets were a year too late on Harden. Yeah, listen, like, like I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold judgment on the James Harden trade for at least a few years. And I, I know you're not making a judgment, right? Like, I, I know, like you're just this is your initial reaction, just well, off. Yeah, right. but yeah. You're, Basically, the only way the Harden trade works for you is if Brooklyn flatlines. And yeah, but I, but, but I, I think it's too early yeah. to say which direction that's going in either way right now. Yeah, but I, I just think that you can't 
you, you need more than seven or eight lottery tickets for James Harden. You need something <laughs> that you can have in-house that you can already start building around. And you look at what the Lakers gave up for Anthony Davis. I mean, they gave New Orleans all those picks. They gave them the fourth pick in that upcoming draft. Plus, they gave him a future all-star in Brandon Ingram. And they gave uh, they gave New Orleans uh, multiple guys that were still on their rookie deals. The Rockets don't have anything to show for Harden except for pick swaps and draft picks. And that's not, that's not to me, that's not enough for a top five player in his prime. It's just not. And uh, I, like I said, I think that they were probably too late. And some of it is circumstances and there just weren't the teams out there. I don't know if I would have necessarily done the Philly thing for Ben Simmons, but um, to me that looks better now than what it looks like you get for Harden from Brooklyn at this point. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it is um, the Philly thing is that that was the only real alternative, right? Like that's that's the only substantive deal that they were getting, and that that may end up becoming the better deal. But I think it's still too early to say right now. I think you know, in the moment, even before the details of the trade got leaked, I thought what was rumored that Brooklyn was offering. I thought I would have taken that deal over the Philly deal. Just that was just me personally. I thought that was an unheard of amount of unprotected draft picks and pick swaps. And, you know, it's it, it, right now it does look like a mystery box and we'll see. I guess, I guess my, my question is, uh, I mean, my answer to that, to your question is, I, I don't know. Sir. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Somali NBA. Adam, do you have anything to plug? Uh, not at the moment. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Spolane. And yeah, guys, 